Blog Talk Radio. The following program is brought to you by Firefly Willows L-I-V-E. Hi, my name's John Carousella, and I'm your host for Convergence on Firefly Willows L-I-V-E. Convergence is to consciousness as gravity is to the material world. In small amounts, gravity is overwhelmed by every other fundamental force of the universe. But gravity has something nothing else has. It's cumulative. The more matter you collect, the more gravity you get, until it becomes the most powerful force of the material world. I think convergence is like that, too. Only in this case, we're working with truth. The more truth we collect, the more convergence we experience. Connections, relationships, resonance of ideas and concepts, science and mysticism. Lately, deep truths just seem to be coming together, even as many of the illusions around us are falling apart. As within, so without. As above, so below. I know I'm feeling it, and I'll bet you are too. For the next 90 minutes, we'll be exploring concepts and topics that in some way or another bring us around to a deeper truth. Join me and my guests for this week's experience of Convergence. Welcome everyone, this is Convergence and I'm your host, John Carousella. Today's program is about Burning Man that event each year in the desert at the end of August that you've probably heard about, maybe read about, possibly even seen some pictures of, but probably haven't attended. Well, this year I attended with a a friend and a family member, and it was a spectacular experience. My co-hosts, Hi C and Mildred Lynn, would normally join me for a roundtable discussion, but because this time I wanted to share about Burning Man, and they've never been, I decided to find some other voices to share with you. I attended Burning Man Decompression, a day-long event in San Francisco this October, which is a chance to share stories and reach back into the spirit of the event. I brought my gear and spoke with a few folks. So here are the perspectives of Sky, Lori, Chewie, Spider Monkey, and Elliot in response to these three questions. What is Burning Man? Why does it work? And why do you go? Uh, my name is Spider Monkey, and I've been to Burning Man 15 times. I am Sky. My name is Elliot, and I've been to Burning Man once. My name is Chewy. Oh, my goodness. Ten. Ten years. Hi, my name is Lori, and I've been to Burning Man five times. Burning Man is, is a week-long festival, um, gathering, sense of community, um, expression. Um, it's an artistic and music event. I think Burning Man for me is my friends. It is this. It is a community of people that I hang out with in a camp. Um, it's an amazing event. But honestly, when I go home, I don't think about the art I saw. I don't think about the spectacle anymore. I think about the moments in camp that are very much like this, where we're all sitting around and we're sharing experiences. Burning Man is a demonstration that we are not alone in the world. 
no matter what you happen to like or be into or be interested in, there is somebody out there that shares your interest, and they take that out to the desert in hopes that you will find them and that they you and that we'll know that we're not alone in the world. Wow. I feel through my body that just that feeling right all the way from my um, heart chakra all the way to my, what is that one called? Sacral chakra, yeah. I was just having this question with um, Bill over here. And, you know, Burning Man is a total place to be as authentic as you want to be. No no judgment. Everybody takes care of each other. It's what you expect heaven to be like. There's art, there's beauty, there's everything you can imagine. And you may have judgments about certain things normally in the outside world, but Burning Man makes you look at your judgments and say, well, that's okay. So you become more open. Why does it work? Because we're not alone in the world. We're, we are connected, and the longer we're, we grow, we forget. We become brittle. We start to separate ourselves more and more based on some cultural, regional something. And uh, all the walls get broken down out there, and that's why it works. I think uh, some author wrote, the act of life degeniuses you, and you forget that we are a part of and know everything we need to know to survive. Everybody is being the spiritual self. They're letting, they're being authentic because it's a place to be free. And everybody in general, not everybody, you know, but a majority of people want the same thing as I do, the basic principle, to be happy, to be kind to others, to want better things for other people. You know, we all want it, and maybe in different versions or flavors, but when you get down to the root about it, because, you know, our judgments change it all. And there's no money. You can't, you can't, it's not about trying to win you over to get something out of you. Well, people do a lot of work together throughout the year, whether it's um, preparing for it or building installations or being a part of a camp or a theme camp. And so people are very involved and invested in that regard. And it's something that people look forward to because there's a sense of freedom and community there that one might not experience in the real world, um, default world. Uh, so therefore, people go there, there's kind of... It, an expectation inside oneself to just be able to let go. You can just let go, and everybody that's there is is very share, like very giving, and they share everything. They share their time, their food, their drinks, uh, anything they have. Everybody's so friendly. Everybody's in a good mood. Everybody leaves that I've come across anyway. Everybody leaves out of their baggage at the gate or on the road and everybody comes in just ready to have fun and express themselves or whatever that may be. And I think it, it works well because of that reason. Everybody's kind of on the same page. Whatever their desire may be, the crux of it all, the core of it is that everybody has the same reason. Wow. Well, I don't know that it works for everyone. It doesn't. I've seen it uh, not work for a lot of people. And there's parts of it that don't work, uh, the line, things like that, the gate, getting in. Um, but I think it works because 
we make it work because we're willing to compromise and adjust and unlike most normal reality uh, everyday life default world unlike there people are willing to take a chance and ask for help or give help um, nobody passes anyone by um, I once saw someone fall off a bike and like five people picked him up I mean total strangers ran over and picked him up and it, you could tell he was new to Burning Man because it kind of shocked him you know he's like who are you guys what do you want um, so I think that's why it works you know it only works if everybody is in agreement that you're going to make it work for everybody else so what works for you may not work for other people but keeping in the spirit of but that needs to work for them is important I go because I like that freedom and I like the acceptance um, I love the art uh, it brings me to tears every year I go just the amount of time and money and energy people put into this, their art pieces is very moving. The temple always moves me to tears. And I love the music. And I love you're at a, dancing at a sound camp. You look around and there's a 20-year-old, a 30-year-old, a 40-year-old, a 50-year-old, a 60, 70, 80. And everybody's dancing together. And everybody's happy and they love it. And there's no judgment. And everybody just wants to have a good time and feel free and make friends and have a sense of community and I think that's why I go and I think that's why a lot of other people go as well. That's an excellent question. Why did I go? I originally went because all my friends said, oh my god, this is the place for you. I did it because I had found so many things in the world that were Burning Man-like that I enjoyed tremendously and folks were like, you should go to the source. You should go there. You should see what it is. Um, I go because I miss Boy Scouts. When I was a kid, I was a Boy Scout, and I loved camping with the Boy Scouts. And this is a bit like that. You go and you have a Boy Scout camp where you set stuff up, and that's, I go for that. I go to recharge, and I go, I go because, it's funny, I had an experience the last time I went where we had an insurmountable problem that involved our porta-potties. We had our own porta-potties and getting them clean. It took me all day to solve this problem, but I solved it. I got it done. And I, I broke down in tears afterwards because there are many, many times in, in life when I can't solve the problem. I, it sticks around and I've got a lot of stuff that hangs over in my life. And to have something that was a problem, that I could address it, I could work with it, I could deal with the setbacks, and I had a lot of setbacks that day, and eventually fixed it. And when I was done, the joy that everyone got out of the problem being solved was overwhelming. You know, it was just a great moment, and it made me realize it's one of the reasons I, I go all the time. It's uh, the problem solved. It feels very spiritual for me. It feels like I awaken to my wisdom. I awaken see myself and see others and be that much better of a person. And although I've learned a lot of hard lessons, I come out of there always a better person, that much more. I went because I ran out of excuses. And a friend that has introduced me to some of the greatest things in my entire life spent 10 years convincing me that it'd be something I'd enjoy. And I went 
and I learned how to not be alive, to be living again. And uh, I made some friends that I hope to know the rest of my life, and um, I hope to laugh and dance and play more. Um, Burning Man is my chance for radical self-expression without judgment. Burning Man changed my life, so if I didn't go, um, I'd be missing out on a whole part of my body and my being that wouldn't be able to be expressed. I feel like I get to go there and be exactly who I want to be in that moment without anybody deciding whether that's right or wrong. In fact, they just see the beautiful things, and we move forward. My new colleagues had a few other thoughts to share with you about why folks go, what's what's real and what's illusory, who might consider going, and why, for some of us, we stayed away for so long. On some levels, it's an illusion, um, because it doesn't exist all the time, I suppose, but maybe it's not an illusion. Um, I think it's a temporary space. I'm not sure that it could work permanently. I think part of what makes it work is the temporary nature of it. Um, the idea that it's also so harsh that it has a time limit. Uh, I've been going early arrival for a while now, and it's amazing how difficult that can be on, on yourself physically. You really start to notice that your body's starting to go, I've had enough, I've had enough of this, this strange environment that isn't conducive to my health. Um, no matter how, how well you take care of yourself. So I think that's the illusion that you can survive there. But the community maybe is not so much of an illusion. The community is real. Burning Man is very inspiring. And the creativity surrounding it and everything involved in it is inspiring. And I think that's a big part of why people also go as well. Because it opens your mind and your eyes into what could be. You know, it is an individual thing. I do think that some people that think they wouldn't like it probably actually would very much like it. They just have a preconceived notion in their mind about what is involved. Oh, those hippies or whatever people think. And it's actually really, I guarantee you, not the way one would think until you get there. You can't judge it until you get there and experience it for yourself. So actually, yes, I think most people, yes. Fear. I... I fell in love, I experienced loss, mortality became an issue, and uh, and I just became afraid. And I started hiding more and more often. And uh, the thing is, is that if you stop moving, you become brittle. And then eventually you become so brittle that you can't move, and you just stop living. And uh, once that in motion stays in motion, and there's a reason for that. Because the, the kinetic energy that you create from not only the hunger to be alive, but the hunger to participate, um, is what makes George Burns George Burns. <laughs> and what makes him love Gracie until the moment that it's over. Um, I don't know why I resisted. Fear. My thanks to Sky, Lori, Chewy, Spider Monkey, and Elliot for their generous thoughts and perspectives. And we'll be right back. At Firefly Willows L-I-V-E, we're working hard to be your trusted source for fun, enlightening, and heart-centered information and community. And we're passionate about the art of transformative media, the new leading edge of communication in our highly connected, media-rich world. If you're passionate about facilitating change and you have gifts or ideas you'd like to share, come join us. 
host a show, or be a guest, or connect us to an amazing speaker or teacher whose message is too good to miss. There's always room for courageous, knowledgeable changemakers, inspired artists, and new ideas. Let us know you're interested. Send an email to info at fireflywillows.com. We're Firefly Willows, L-I-V-E, helping you find and shine your inner light. Welcome back. This is Convergence, and I'm your host, John Carousella. I have to admit, I've been following Burning Man from a distance for probably 20 years or so. Early issues of Wired magazine would have an article on this strangely compelling event, and I was consistently drawn to the stories and the ambience conveyed within them. Why? Why was I so interested? I wouldn't fully understand the answer to this question until this year, when I actually attended the event. Of course, nothing occurs in a vacuum. This past year has been chock-full of life-changing events and their consequences. This year, I ended my 29-year marriage. The crucible of that decision, probably the most momentous of my adult life, required deep, sometimes excruciating self-examination and reflection. In the aftermath, I've been, let's say, deeply exfoliated. That's a kind of rawness, but also a kind of lightness and freshness, an openness that is new to me. We arrived at Burning Man, or rather at the line in front of the gated entrance to Black Rock City, at a few minutes before 5 a.m. Shortly thereafter, it started to rain. Rain in the desert is a glorious thing. Except in this desert, there's no ground cover of desert plants, no desert wildflowers to pop up and celebrate, only playa dust, an alkaline dust three times finer than talcum powder that loves water. The dust became glop. Walking around was impossible. So we stayed in our van and snoozed until the sun rose. Eventually, folks roused themselves and the sun dried enough of the playa to make foot traffic possible, if a bit uncomfortable. We began to meet our neighbors. Somebody's party bus brought their speakers to the roof. And dancing began. Acro yoga on RV rooftops. Pop-up shade canopies sheltering weary travelers from four corners of the earth. And smiles and cold beverages. Burning Man Information Radio let us know that the gate would remain closed all day due to the wet and dangerously slick playa, possibly until midnight or later. Ugh. Yep, this was Burning Man. A harsh environment. Things not going according to plan. People choosing to be positive, making the best of it, providing comfort to their transient neighbors. It could have been miserable. Instead, It was fun, even as it was physically uncomfortable. As it turns out, it was hard to beat as an introduction to this otherworldly experience. We finally made camp at about 10 p.m. and snoozed shortly thereafter. Tomorrow would be our first day at Burning Man. The day. Our tents got hot quickly once the sun rose. The desert in the daytime makes you sluggish and parched. All the good intentions, planning to attend seminars and workshops and yoga classes, Eh, not really. Let's just say we lacked follow-through. But at night, 
Oh, my goodness, at night it's a whole different story, a whole different world. Once the sky grew dark and the lights came on, holy cow, what a sight. I've been to Las Vegas many, many times for work and for play. Over the years, I've come to appreciate and enjoy the lights and fountains and fire displays, seeing it from the air, seeing the tremendous muscular power of capitalism dedicated to stimulating the senses. Burning Man makes Las Vegas look like Legoland. I was overwhelmed by the spectacle at Burning Man. The diversity, the enthusiasm, the participation, the egalitarian vibe, and the art. Oh my God, the art. And the scale of the city. It's just staggering. Without natural landmarks, the only scale is based on what's in front of you. The city is designed to be walked or biked, and it's all on top of the playa, so there's that playa dust to deal with. So I did my reckoning by the man, a 70-foot structure that rose out of the desert, and the embrace, another gargantuan work of art, and the local castle cum dance floor and the brightly colored neon-lit 20-foot-tall bottle brush that marked the porta-potties that we passed on our way to the playa. You had to be there. Really, it's too cool for words. In fact, it's really impossible to give an accounting of what we experienced at Burning Man. You just have to go. I'll share this one small tidbit. In a world where nothing is for sale, except ice and, okay, coffee, and where water is at a premium, and hygienic comforts are scarce, one of our most memorable moments was late in the week and late into the evening, when we stumbled upon a cart, festooned with toothbrushes and tubes of toothpaste, complete with a rinse fountain and spittoon. Yep, grab a toothbrush, help yourself to some toothpaste, clean those choppers, and walk away with a fresh mouth, no questions asked. Just one example of the power of the gifting culture that is essential to Burning Man. In fact, gifting is one of the ten principles of Burning Man. I'd like to share them with you. The first is radical inclusion. Anyone may be part of Burning Man. All are welcomed and respected. The stranger is welcome and respected. No prerequisites exist for participation in that community. Gifting. Burning Man is devoted to acts of giving. The value of a gift is unconditional. Gifting does not contemplate a return or an exchange for something of equal value. Decommodification. In order to preserve the spirit of gifting, our community seeks to create social environments that are unmediated by commercial sponsorships, transactions, or advertising. We stand ready to protect our culture from such exploitation. We resist the substitution of consumption for participatory experience. Now, these first three principles set the stage for me. Long fascinated by the notion of a gift economy, I was delighted to meet so many strange and delightful people who actually, at least for a week, lived one. Next, radical self-reliance. Burning Man encourages the individual to discover, exercise, and rely on his or her inner resources. This one isn't just about biological self-sufficiency. It's about 
being real with yourself and looking deep for the things that make you tick, that make you a gift, that help you through tough times and challenging conditions. Then there's radical self-expression. Radical self-expression arises from the unique gifts of the individual. No one other than the individual or group can determine its content. It is offered as a gift to others. In this spirit, the giver should respect the rights and liberties of the recipient. Here is where the magic can really be seen. Self-expression. People at Burning Man are willing to let themselves be whoever they might be. No judgment. No self-recrimination or recoiling from the untended, unloved, bastard children parts of ourselves. The freedom and encouragement to be fully yourself without a nagging judge condemning you. This is where Burning Man changes lives. Communal effort. Our community values creative cooperation and collaboration. Burning Man strives to produce, promote, and protect social networks, public spaces, works of art, and methods of communication that support community, cooperation, and collaboration. And this works in conjunction with the next, civic responsibility. Valuing civil society. Community members assuming responsibility for public welfare and endeavoring to communicate these same civic responsibilities to other participants. It's a community, folks. What kind of community is up to us. Then, leaving no trace. Our community respects the environment. We are committed to leaving no physical trace of our activities wherever we gather. We clean up after ourselves and endeavor whenever possible to leave such places in a better state than when we found them. Participation. Our community is committed to a radically participatory ethic. We believe that transformative change, whether in the individual or in society, can occur only through the medium of deeply personal participation. We achieve being through doing. Everyone is invited to work. Everyone is invited to play. We make the world real through actions that open the heart. And finally, immediacy. Immediate experience is, in many ways, the most important touchstone of value in our culture. We seek to overcome barriers that stand between us and a recognition of our inner selves, the reality of those around us, participation in society, and contact with a natural world exceeding human powers. No idea can substitute for this experience. I really love these ten principles. I particularly love how radical self-expression and civic responsibility combine to create a culture of communal effort and participation. And no, you can't hire somebody to carry your load because it's all decommodified. Participation is what makes it work. Participation is what turns strangers into neighbors. It's what breaks down walls. It's what allows the alien to become the familiar. It keeps the other human. And the lack of participation is what kills community and sterilizes and stratifies culture. It's what happens when rich folks live in gated communities and start to think of poor people as damaged or lazy or stupid. 
lack of participation puts you in a bubble, insulates you from the grit and grist of life, and it's what separates you from nature. And that's what I lived with for six days. Generosity, harsh climate, music and dancing until dawn, blinding, choking dust storms, laughter, tears, pirate ships and fire-breathing octopi, fairies on bicycles, inner demons. And then, the bottom line. It's all impermanent. This city and this magnificent art appears like Brigadoon rising out of the desert, pulsing to life, awing the mind and the senses, challenging our preconceptions, assumptions, and judgments. And then, one by one, the masterpieces burn. You can't take it with you. The experience is the thing. Living in the moment, owning your issues, celebrating your strengths, admiring the courage and will and spirit of those around you who are even more willing than you to really be themselves. And then it's gone. The thing that struck me that first night, and the thing that stayed with me now, now that I'm back home, is this. Much of what Burning Man is, is not sustainable. Much of what we do in the default world is not sustainable. Burning Man does what it does in an environment that is unnatural for humans. Much of what we do in the default world is done in environments that are not perfect for humans. But what Burning Man does is capture the will, ingenuity, and creativity of the human in ways that create community, encourage self-expression and growth, cultivate tolerance, and, oh, by the way, pave the way for a deep well of fun, happiness, and joy. It's not sustainable, but it's no less sustainable than our existing culture, and it's done in a harsher environment, and it's a lot friendlier and a lot cleaner. If we did this instead of fighting wars or political backstabbing, we'd all have a much richer life. It's cooperation not competition. It's exuberance, not fear. It's expression, not conformity. It's acceptance, not judgment. It's the future, not the past. And one where everybody wins. We'll be right back. You're listening to Convergence with host John Carousella on Firefly Willows L-I-V-E. Find out more at fireflywillows.com. Enjoy the show. Welcome back. This is Convergence, and I'm your host, John Carousella. For today's spirited conversation, I sat down with Flash Hopkins. Flash has been part of Burning Man since the very first event on the beach in San Francisco and has continued to play a significant role in shaping Burning Man as it moved out to the desert and as it's grown. Our conversation on location at his Bayview Art Studio in San Francisco was wide-ranging, funny, often startling. Here's a Burning Man perspective that's on the other end of the spectrum from a 28-year veteran. 
let's get a little yeah. a little of your history. Sure. All right. So you've been involved with Burning Man for how long? Uh, this would be 28 years. 28 I, years. Yeah, I was living with Larry when we started it. Uh, he was my roommate, or I was his roommate actually. Right. It's his right. apartment. Right. 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 <laughs> but exactly. uh, when we started it, uh, that was like 28 years ago. Yeah. Uh, and. Uh, are you Flash on the only on the playa, or are you a Flash? In no, the, I, I'm, well? I'm Flash on the playa, but I've been Flash since I was a child. Ah, My was. mother gave me that name. It it comes from a Flashomatic transmission on a 1950 Oldsmobile. Really? She, yeah, she was looking down at the shifter, and it's a Flashomatic shifter, and and uh, Edna said to Clifton, "I want to name him Flash," and uh, Clifton said, "Edna, I am not." gonna call him Flash and although my name is Michael no one's ever used it my mother's called me Flash since birth so it's not a playa name it's a it's I didn't need one I was born with one <laughs> <laughs> that's great um, so and when you're not doing Burning Man mm-hmm. you're not in, in the, the housing authority of Burning Man uh, what do you do um, you know large scale public art mm-hmm. uh, quite a bit and uh, I do a lot of stuff down in Hollywood Oh, um, I, I've had a couple TV shows. One was for National Geographic. It was called Scott, uh, Scrap House, where we built house completely out of scrap. And then I've done. Uh, I had a uh, I had a two uh, two seasons on the Discovery Channel where I built Da Vinci's machinery. Oh, all that's war so machinery. cool. That's yeah, awesome. it's called Doing Da Vinci. Yeah, that's you great. can still pick that up. <laughs> okay. Yeah, in fact, it's at uh, one of the pieces is at the Getty Museum. And the rest are at the Balboa Museum, mm. the stuff that we made. It was all pretty much as war machinery. Yeah, okay. And, so and, we, and speaking of museums, you mm. are uh, you're going to have some art at the De Young Museum in San Francisco, aren't Correct. You? Yeah, actually, this week. Yeah. Tell us about mm. what that, uh, briefly about what that Well, is. this, actually, it's very interesting. Is a, it's a show called Tethered, and it's, it's partly for grieving. We lost a lot of people this past year, mm. uh, especially for the Burning Man crew, uh, Pepe Ozone, Lord Huckleberry, uh, there was a whole bunch of people that we lost. Um, uh, Les Blank, who was a famous documentarian, uh, passed away this year, and they were all re- really dear friends of mine. And mm-hmm. also, they also came to Burning Man. Yeah, yeah, they're a big okay. part of Burning Man. So, so that's from the very beginning. So your your participation in the show, the De Young, is tethered, uh, tethered to the memories, to the soul. It's tethered to the soul. Yeah, yeah, yeah tethered great. to the soul. It's going to be great. There's going to be uh, a lot of really good artists there that have, um, you know, some pretty deep connections to the people we lost. Mm. Monica Maduro was another one that we lost this year. Um, anybody who's ever been to Burning Man probably knows a little bit about the La Contessa. It was one of the largest art vehicles out there at the time. It was a replica of a Spanish galleon. Yeah. Um, and it was just beautiful. And she made the masthead for it. Mm. And, uh, she just passed away this past year. Wow. Sad, sad. Yeah. She took her life, which oh, is even uh, worse. Yeah, it's tragic. tragic. Well, mm-hmm. okay, so um, so some beautiful art at the De Young coming up this week. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so let's let's talk a little bit about Burning Man. Um, this was my first year at Burning Man. And really? As you know, You're, I'm sure you know, when people go to Burning Man... He's, he's got gray hair, too. I want you to know it's not just young punks on drugs, okay? John's got gray hair, and he's oh, telling me yeah, now it's his yeah, first time. Yeah. And, and, That's and good. It was a stunning experience for me, as it, as it seems to be uh-huh. for everybody who goes for, you know, for the first time. For the first uh, time, yeah. Uh, After you've been stunned the first time, I would say, you know... Well, I, you know, I expect <laughs> to be stunned again for yeah. a couple more years. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
But you've been going for 28 years. That's correct, yeah. Why Since we you, first started it down at the beach. Why are you, why are you and why have you been so involved? Well, it's the cornerstone of my financial empire. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everybody needs a job. <laughs> and uh, I, this job was suited for me. You know? <laughs> I ran carnivals on the East Coast. Actually, it wasn't just carnivals. It was uh, country fairs, you know. State fairs, that kind of stuff. Wow. Country fairs, and so uh, I had, I, I had it in my blood, actually. So when I moved out here, and uh, it, this thing just grew exponentially. We didn't, you know, as far as Burning Man growing, uh, well, how we started it and what it is today is totally different. Let's yeah, talk totally about that a little bit. Uh, it started out as a joke. I mean, it's uh, for one thing, the man isn't a man; it's a woman. It's always been a woman. It's never been a man, and. Uh, her name is Patricia. Okay. <laughs> we'll skip over that. But um, well, let's face it, girls burn guys, and guys burn girls, right? I mean, guys don't stand around burning guys like, ah, I'm going to burn John. No, but they'll burn their ex-wife. <laughs> okay. And, you know, when we started out there, one of the first bumper stickers we had out there was sex, guns, and videotape. And... Uh, you know, so when people, you know, even now, we do a couple different things that are really funny. One of them is the Black Sabbath pancake breakfast on Sunday mornings, mm -hmm. where we just yell at people. We put this ramp on, we dare you to ride over your ramp on your bicycle, and people crash, and, you know, they dislocate their shoulders and stuff, and we're screaming <laughs> at them. And people go, this is so unlike Burning Man, what are you guys doing? And the joke is... This is what we were doing. We were blowing up everything out there <laughs> at one point because, you know, when we first went out there, the first time there was probably, there wasn't a hundred people that followed us out to the desert. Not, couldn't have uh, Really? Yeah. The first time we went to the desert, it was that small? Yeah, it was less than a hundred people. Amazing. And then the second year we went out there, it was probably a little more than a hundred people, but everybody brought guns. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we, we did drive-by shooting range, skeet golf. Mm -hmm. We did a lot of propane shooting. You know, you would shoot. Uh, uh, you get a five-gallon five-gallon propane tank, and yeah. you put an auto flare in front of it, and you shoot it. And if you haven't had that experience, okay. well, you know, <laughs> it's something you should experience. If you're going to experience Burning Man, and you want to really get to the roots of it. Build yourself a little like birthday cake of five gallon propane tanks. <laughs> stick, stick uh, car flares on top of them. Step back, get an AK, and just let it rip. Okay. And watch what happens. <laughs> for you and your friends, the one tip I've got for you is to keep firing. Because what happens? It starts to spiral and spin, and they go all over the place. So the more you shoot them, the better you are. You know, you'll probably get out alive. Right, so so we don't see that at Burning Man anymore. Not anymore, no. 70,000 people. Yeah, 70,000 people with AKs would probably be disastrous. You know, there's very little crime out there. In fact, I don't know if you noticed. Actually, you came for the first time this year. Yeah, yeah. And in one respect, you couldn't have come at a better time. Uh, we've had a lot of law enforcement problems. And, it's, and it had nothing to do with, like, the violent overtones of Burning Man, because there isn't any. And the criminal activity of Burning Man, there isn't any. And the drug thing that, you know, so... And it's not like that, you know. It's not, I mean, there is a little bit, but not... And so what happened was we had... And the reason I'm saying this, why you had a good time this year, is because for the first time ever, 
they let the BLM, the Bureau of Land Management, uh, who they are in charge of that anyway. We're on we're on public land there. Right. And before this, pretty much, the Washoe County Police and the uh, um, and they, they would they would ride shotgun with the BLM, which is federal, mm. and that was actually illegal. And so we uh, won a lawsuit, and the Washoe County gave up. And so now the BLM was really very very really cool very relaxed year. very relaxed yeah. there wasn't any last year we had one in ten people was getting stopped with the dogs and the whole bit and it just got to be pretty obnoxious they've been doing it for a few years mm-hmm. because they weren't getting the money they wanted is that so, right yeah so they they got some of the money they wanted and they got they got sued and so so I guess the BLM guys have a slightly different uh, intention being there as than, than the Washoe County Police you know do you own dogs? Yeah. Do you have a dog? Yeah. 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 yeah they, there's a thing called a pack mentality. Mm-hmm. If you get more than two or three, no matter what breed they are, they tend to pack and cause trouble. Mm-hmm. But you break them up and they're all good dogs. No, interesting. Is that sort of a... That's pretty interesting. So so the, 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 the uh, local constabulary, so to speak, being the BLM guys... Uh, patrolling alone, you think? Made a big yeah, they they were much they were much nicer. They were much more civil. Mm-hmm. Whereas you know they get all blustered up by having other cops around who just want that collar, want that bust, you know, kind of thing. And yeah. and the joke is that most of them were thrown out anyway because there isn't that many drugs out there. It's not like people just wholesaling bales of pot. They're just no, not no, doing it. No. You know, they're just I, not doing it. Right. Uh, the I want to I want to talk about. The um, the social implications of Burning Man. Uh-huh. Right. I mean, this is a this is a city, uh, and it, as a practical matter, it is a city. It's the third largest city in Nevada for one week. Okay, so it shows up, mm-hmm. uh, and then it disappears. But while it's there, it's one of the most freewheeling, open places I've ever experienced in my life. Spectacularly exciting, mm-hmm. and yet there's not a lot of crime. No. Why? Because people are having a good time, and when they're having a good time, and they're preoccupied with what they want to do with their life, right there, right then, the here and the now. Crime isn't a factor. There's nothing to steal. Everybody will give you anything you want. I mean, I don't know if you noticed that, but if you need something to eat. You, no, I don't see anyone ever going hungry out there because people are inviting you in to eat. There's nothing but free bars everywhere. And there's always, if I don't know if you got the booklet, but you can follow the day and eat like they have pancake breakfasts and bacon fests and all this stuff. So you, there's no, you know, other than boyfriend-girlfriend stuff, which how can you get away from that? Right. You know, that's the only... It's the, other than that, right. you won't see anything else out there. You don't even see them getting into fights much because, let's face it, out there, if your girlfriend wants to break up with you, you get a really good chance of picking up something else really <laughs> fast. So, that, And it can be cured with penicillin, by the way, so don't worry about it. So, so the social... You, you, there's, there's no... You, you think the social pressures are significantly different. Absolutely. I, I, in fact, the social pressures out there are pretty funny. You can be anybody you want to be. 
so you could put the pressure on yourself or you can relieve that pressure. There are people out there that have, that are, you know, run major corporations. There are um, actually senators and, and uh, there's all senators. I would, lo- and, I would love to imagine. And politicians of all sorts. U.S. senator out there. That would be crazy. I don't, know if, I don't know if he wants me to say this, but I know that Grover Norquist goes out there and he's a Republican. And he's a, he's a, he goes to Burning Man. And he's a wonderful guy, by uh, the way. Wild. Yeah, yeah. Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? I mean, listen, Craigslist goes out there. Yeah. Okay, Craig. Mm-hmm. Craigslist. So mm-hmm. it's. I think what you said is really is really illuminating. You can be anybody you want to out anybody. there, and so what social pressures you apply to yourself are really the social pressures That's that, right. that you experience. Now, now I want, I want, I, this comes with a bit of a caution. This is 10 principles of Burning Man. Personally, I couldn't recite them. I don't even know them. I'll give you the three principles. Okay. When you go to Burning Man, John and everyone in the listening audience, one, it's not love. Two, after three days, it's crusty and dusty. You probably shouldn't touch it. Three, do not bring it home with you. Oh. Those are the three rules of Burning Man. Okay. okay? <laughs> Trust me on this one. All right. So, so you referred to the housing authority. Yes. Now, and, and and I guess I want to I want to explore a little bit of the authority, uh, such as it is in Black Rock City, because I, to me, I found uh, the lack of hierarchical demand-based, coercive-based authority to be really interesting and uh, remarkable, right? There's not a lot of, there's not a lot of uh, force. No. So, so how does this thing, how does this thing work? How can it, you know, like one of the questions we ought to be asking is, how does something like Burning Man work without all that authority? Okay, there is. Okay, it's the man behind the curtain. Okay. There's a lot of that. Okay. Right. But there's no heavy handedness to a point. I mean, in any, in any business, you're going to have to have a bit of heavy handedness to get people to motivate in the right direction. Yeah. I mean, it, um, things do go wrong and we have to What, know, what fix kind them. of things go wrong? Oh, well, you, did you notice that the man wasn't up until Tuesday? I don't know when you got oh, there. I got there on Tuesday. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, see, um, each leg weighed 25,000 pounds. That was a big man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what happened was they got a 22,000-pound crane to try to lift a 25,000-pound leg, and they almost tipped the crane over. Then they went and they got the other crane, which was about the same weight, and they tried to pick it up like that, and they still couldn't do it. And so at that point, they were perplexed, okay, because that was just one leg. They had two, and then they had to stack it up on top. And eventually they had to go get a huge crane to do it. And it was, uh, that was a, a calculated an, error. That's an example, an example of something that Not only wrong. that, but after that, I'll know, I hope you noticed that it, if you stood there, it was supposed to burn a lot better than it did. Oh, too. man, it took a long time to burn. It took a long time to burn. <laughs> that's because cause the hierarchy, as you uh, so amply uh, put, named them, um, one of them decided that we didn't need to use the, uh, we usually use any inside of the man. We use a paraffin base with uh, uh, and, and burlap, okay, yeah. and and we fill it with not only wood but we lace it with the paraffin based burlap yeah. and wrap it all around. Yeah. And somebody thought it would be, be, they just thought 
different and they said no no no, no we don't have we to don't do that because we're going to put holes in the bottom of the air it's going to flow and the whole thing yeah, yeah. and of course it didn't work it didn't work I, 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 at one point Larry said looked at him and said what's plan B <laughs> plan A ain't working <laughs> did you see Embrace did you see yeah, yeah. Embrace was great too but it was a similar problem you know I didn't see it burn oh you didn't see it burn I think everyone at one point should see it burn anything during the daylight because you see when you see Burning Man at night it's beautiful it's all fiery yeah, it's Christmassy yeah, yeah, orange yeah, yeah, twinkly yeah. and the fireworks right. are going up right. but if you saw it during the day it's one thick black cloud of smoke. really yeah. bad smoke yeah. and so when, and it's, a lot of it's laminated uh, wood oh, right. and uh, you know the, the uh, embrace which was Joe Olivier's I love that guy he's a great guy um uh, he he wanted to burn it and he burnt it, but people were aghast when they saw like this big black smoke coming off the thing. But mm. so it's kind of funny. I mean, people, you know, it started as a joke for us out there, and we we played around a lot. And it only only later on uh, did when the temple started to come in. The temple wasn't there at first. Yeah. Pepe, who one of the people I'm building the piece for, that's going into the DM, yeah. he, he had passed away just recently. He used to do. Um, the operas, and but people weren't so reverent about the whole thing at the, in those days. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they were a little more. It was a party atmosphere. Mm -hmm. um, it was when the temple came in that people started to really get religious about Burning Man. What do you think about that? Uh, personally, yeah. What I think about it is, it's not the journey to the sacred. People think they found it. So. It, it, it being the Nirvana, this is it, you know, this is my family, these are my people. And listen, the, it, progression, you always, you're going to learn something on the road, okay? So you got to stay on the road. Because once you've reached that point, it's the striving towards, it's not the arriving at. Right. Once you've arrived at something, that's it. What have you got left? Right. You know? Right. And for a lot of these people, I think that's what happens out there, is that they think they've arrived at it, that this is their place. So they start blaming themselves with Burning Man and everything's about Burning Man. Their whole life is about Burning Man. Hey, I haven't got a bone through my nose. I've got a tattoo on me about Burning Man. Nothing. It's like, you know, it's people, some people are looking for something larger than themselves. Mm. And and we've actually given them that without, unbeknownst to us, we weren't really trying to do any of that. That wasn't well, it, but our it, purpose. It, it, it emerged. It emerged. It, it came out of that. Isn't that, isn't that an interesting phenomenon? It is interesting. I can see it, but I don't... It's a cult. We started a cult. And I think that's a little odd. You know, it, I, I can see why. I mean, once your government has let you down, and your religion has let you down, and your friends have let you down, and your parents have let and you your down. Job you, your job has is, is become just a nightmare. And, right. and your family. And then... You're always looking for something. There's got to be... They're looking, they're searching. And I've noticed... What's really funny is that you don't see... I mean, there's a lot of young people out there, but there's a lot of middle-aged people oh, out yeah. there now. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. And I think the disillusionment has, has caught up to them. But why is Burning Man the place they find something... Like, like yeah, okay, I, I totally... I'm down with everything you just said. All these things, all these mm -hmm. institutions, cultural institutions, have let us down. Yeah. Why does Burning Man make me feel like 
It give me why does Burning Man give me hope? Well, because uh, John, you you believed in the '60s revolution too. I could tell by your uh, hair. Right. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> and I believed in it too. Okay. Although I carried it on while you guys went and got a real job. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I was out there just partying, and everybody's like, "Yeah, well, maybe this is the way." <laughs> I well, guess. Okay. okay. I guess that would be it. But, and you know, it's been a lot. It's a lot of fun. I think there's a bit of of everything we ever believed in out there. It's a utopia. It's it's a, a wide range of art forms. Uh, it's a lot of people our own age. It's also and it's also people are people are they're not uh, they're not straightjacketed. No, right? Is, no, is they're that, free. Is, is that I mean, is if that, you want to walk in the nude, you can walk in the nude. Is that not something yeah. to be? Uh, I mean, that's something that something that we can celebrate. That, that Burning Man gives gives to us. No. Yeah, 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 yeah. To those who feel captured, absolutely, absolutely. Um, for those who feel let down, absolutely. It, it gives them that one ray of hope that there's a world out there that they've probably never been presented before, but it's always been there. It's always been there. But they've never had it put in one area. Okay, where is it? Where is it? It's always been there. You said this. This is interesting. It's always been there. Where is it? Well, it's in your heart and your mind. Okay. Yeah, so, you've so, got to free that before you can free anything else. Uh, uh, you have to free it up. Right. And I've never done anything I don't want to do. I mean, I've gotten into stuff that I say, well, how the hell did I get it? <laughs> but, you know, I've never taken on a steady job that I didn't want. Mm -hmm. I've never... You know, I, I was brought up in the 60s, too. And I believed in all of that radical self-expression, okay? And, which I find ironic now, is that radical self-expression is fuzzy, blinky stuff that people wear and call it Burning Man wear. I mean, I'm not quite <laughs> sure why that is. <laughs> you know, it's like, I know you want to be an individual, but you just bought Burning Man wear now, you know? I mean, mm -hmm. it... But they still they feel free when they put that fuzzy blinky stuff on. They do. They do. And so it's like, okay, you know. I mean, but I think it's once you've been there once, and that's why I said, well, I'm glad you're going once. Yeah. Once you've been there once, um, then see it for what it is. And don't make it your life. Make it something that was a dream that became a reality that you could possibly do something yourself there at some point. You know, start off small. But we used to have the expression we had before was no spectators. Of course, nowadays you can't do that because there's just too many people and there's too many spectators. Mm -hmm. They always want to come and see the pictures that their friends brought last year. They want to see that, yeah, you know? Yeah. And they want to be that excited that they want to run around. Uh, but they, it, it would be good. And so what has happened, what's given rise to that is the plug-and-play groups. Yeah, okay. So I want to talk about that in a second. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about that in a second. But um, the idea of participation mm. right uh, now you're you're an artist mm. right this is this is your kind of your life mm. right for those of us who are not um, who, who don't make being an artist or being or or, or serving as artisans uh, as our primary way of being in the world our career energy so to speak mm. or vocation um, what is it about participation at Burning Man when you're building art as large as the stuff that we're building out there, it takes a village. Because you, we only have, like, literally about two and a half weeks 
to build a whole city. Mm-hmm. That's an infrastructure and put all of the large pieces up, okay? Yeah. It takes every bit of effort. And that's another reason why you won't see. There's an incredible camaraderie that goes around, especially with the DPW and, and, the, and, the, and the gate perimeter people and all that. I mean, there's a, it's, it's a really hard core group of really intent people. Would you, would, you, would you be willing to call them dedicated public servants? They are dedicated public servants. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I know what they are. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yeah, they are. And they love it. And, you know, we at first, we take all comers. Nowadays, because we have so we have a list of volunteers. In other words, if you even wanted to volunteer to be on the DPW, I think it would take you about three years mm-hmm. to even attempt to be on there. And then you've got to pull your weight. And we work long, long hours out there. And, and, and mind you, this year we had rain, and that was another reason oh, we got slowed down. The rain was complicated. And we, they shut it down for three days where you couldn't move on on the plier at all, you know. Yeah. So there, there's the, the conditions out there are very adverse. They're really tough. Really tough. They are. Yeah, and it's really hardcore. And so you have to be hardcore. And I think that boils over into the festival itself which everybody takes so much pride in what they've done that if they were to even see somebody say for example trying to destroy a piece or mess around with something there's uh, so many people out there that have so much to do with the way this thing is built and the way it runs that you'd be stopped immediately and shamed really you know Mm -hmm. because uh, because of the atmosphere You'd be, you know, you're going to go out there and tag something, but we don't, we don't have any of that. None of it. We don't even have graffiti out there, it, unless it's in the name of art. Right, know. right, right. It, I, you know, which reminds me, one of the, you know, the installations, for those who have never been out there, there's all sorts of stuff to do. But one of, the, one of my favorites of all time was they, uh, these people from New York, they put up a wall, okay, they built a wall, and then about, it was like maybe 40 yards, 20 yards, they put a, a, a chain link fence around it. And um, and they had like hookers and pimps hanging around, and around the fence line. And then they had a few cops, but they had holes in the fence that you could crawl into. And if you got, if you crawled through the fence and you got past the hookers and the cops and the pimps, they had spray cans and you could tag a wall. And it was called the New York City Playground. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> fascinating. It was one of my favorite all-time installations. I was like, you know, that's the only crime you have to you have to promote crime out there. You have to promote it. Yeah, yeah, and, and uh, that's really that's actually a fascinating statement. Yeah, yeah, uh, and, and, and and it's be, why why does that work? How is it how is it possible that these that we can live so? Convivially, you know it, what it is is that people believe in the good nature of other people, but you don't see it in everyday life. I mean, there's road rage, there's everything. Let's face it, you know. I mean, I mean, you've had it too, you know. Just hey, if you've ever been on the on the 110 and the 405 oh, in yeah, LA, yeah, I mean, yeah, come yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's where misery, road well, rage was born. There's right? misery. Misery loves company, and there's plenty of it out there. But uh, you know, so you don't have any of that out there. But there's misery in the desert. Freaking hot. The dust storms. Why the is people there no, revel in it? 
they revel in it. I, I, I and personally, I, I mean, for one thing, it's not dust, okay? It's an alkali plier, and it grows a chia plant on your lungs. That's why when you got home, you were a little tired, mm-hmm. you were a little spun out a little bit. It didn't have anything to do with the drugs, John, because you know you don't do it. So we cleared that already. So no, what it is is it's it's a very finite dust that gets into your lungs, and everything. so it's. But you you see kids out there. All right, so talk about adverse conditions. The wind's blowing at about 50 miles an hour. It's a total whiteout. You can't see your hand in front of your face. And these right. kids are standing out there going, I love this. This is beautiful. And it's like, if you were anywhere else in the world, you'd think it was a disaster. Their tents are blowing over. You know, this year we had a, a couple, we had a storm. Before the rainstorm, we had a, a windstorm. And it was about 70 miles an hour. And I actually picked up a few trailers, flipped them over and, and dropped them down. I mean, it is adverse. But people love it. It's the challenge. They know that when the wind stops, somebody's going to feed them. They're going to get when, when the wind stops, it's, you can walk up to a bar, and as long as you have a cup, you can get a drink, and, and you, you don't get charged. I mean, it's just like, oh, wasn't that tough? Yeah, it was a tough wind, man. You got a drink? Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, anybody, there's so many bars out there and so much food out there. Now, I'm not suggesting everybody go out there and just be a bum, but you couldn't get out there like that anyway. It's survival. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. I mean, there is nothing out there. you got to bring everything with you. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... If you go underprepared, it's even more challenging. Yeah, you go underprepared. There are people that happen, but as long, if they're good people, they'll make it out there. But if they're gonna if they're gonna leech, if they're gonna be a, a drain on society, they won't last long. We'll have them out the gate there really quick. Only because if they're gonna cause trouble. But there's so little of that now. So yeah. little. Yeah, I think that's it's not it's, really it's you know stunning to me mm. how, how that's the case. Um, so let's take a short break and we'll come back. I want to talk about a little bit more about the housing authority. Okay, okay we'll be right back. A personal tarot reading can offer you insight, information, enlightenment, and empowerment along your life's path. Hi C is a professional tarot conversationalist and ritualist with over 10 years' experience. He's available for readings in a variety of formats, including parties and events. To schedule your personal tarot reading, contact Hi C at tarotbyhic.net or email him at hic at fireflywillows.com. Welcome back. I'm John Carasella, and this is Convergence. And with me for today's Spirited Conversation, Flash Hopkins, the head of the Housing Authority of Black Rock City. <laughs> <laughs> the largest slumlord on the planet. Okay, well, so we want to, let's, yeah. let's, yeah. let's talk about the Housing Authority. What does it do? Well, no, for me, what, what happened was I, I after 28 years, I, I have a confession to make for everybody out there who can't believe this. <laughs> nor I nor Larry Harvey have ever stayed in a tent at Burning Man. No. I, yes, it's true. I, I uh, you know, sure, we're all animals and subject to the, the laws and their confinements, but can't we rise above it at least maybe four foot, three foot? <laughs> okay. Huh? I mean, seriously, the, you don't want to be living in a tent out there, although millions do, uh, hundreds do, thousands do, whatever. I actually enjoy being in a tent, so, uh, you know, they, Larry's just jammed. That's because right, this is your first time. So. <laughs> okay, maybe 28 years. You're out there for a couple of months. You'll want to rise above it. You yeah, can bet okay. that. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about it. So, but, so I, I started bringing trailers out there from the very beginning. Mm. And uh, I used to be, I, I used to cook for everyone. And, uh, and I, had, uh, I had a bar. And, uh, and I just never, ever tended. And I brought trailers up. And then people said, hey, if you get a trailer for me, and I start bringing more trailers up. Then I started housing pretty much all of the workers 
in general. And then from there, I went into the general public. So I've been renting trailers now since almost the beginning. Of course, in the beginning, I'd pull out two or three of them, and that would be it. Nowadays, I've got a lot more than that. But so you so I are... a lot of the DPW. I house a lot of the DPW. Uh-huh. A lot of the the people, the principal people that that have to be out there to to um, you know make sure that everything's going right. And so general. you rent RVs or what? Mostly trailers. Mostly trailers. I do have a few RVs, but mostly trailers. And and so you source them, mm-hmm. uh, and and contract them out to folks who need to go. Oh through. no, I own them. Oh, you own them. Oh yeah, no, I own them. Although you know, I I was a mayor of Gerlach, Nevada, and the president of the Chamber of Commerce of no. Gerlach Empire. Yeah. You were the mayor of Gerlach. That's right. Yes, I was. I got shot in Gerlach. I'm still <laughs> looking for the second shooter on the grassy knoll. <laughs> It's a rough town out there. Uh, you got to be kidding no, me. No, no, not at all. No, yeah. I know you can't see this in Radio Land, but that's what a 38 will do to you. And they have got shot in the leg there. But, and that's a whole nother story. But, um, yeah, I mean, I rent trailers for... The, the, the postmistress has a trailer that she rents out every year, and I rent it out for her. And mm-hmm. There's a couple old cowboys with trailers out on their ranches, and I rent them out for them. So, you know, I'm very active in the community itself, in, in, in Gerlach. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't live in Gerlach. I have a place in Gerlach. Mm-hmm. I have an old hotel there and a bar called the Miners Club. Wow. So I there up. You know, John. I actually don't live anywhere. Yeah. I have well, I have this warehouse space, and I have a house here in San Francisco. I've got a ranch up in Placerville and a little bungalow down in North Hollywood. I stay with Tony when mm-hmm. I'm down there. And, right. Uh, because I'm all over the place and and, the, and up in Gerlach, so wow. that means I uh, I live out of a suitcase. No matter. Well, I was saying to you, it's really. I mean, Tony probably said it's really hard to get a hold of me, uh, but yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. always on the road, you know. So yeah. so so housing authority. Uh-huh. Do you have an official role within the? Oh, I've always had an official role. Yeah. yeah. So what is that role? Uh, well, the official role is. Give me a give me a, a trailer so my mom can stay in there for the week. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean I, I house people. Actually, what happens is like for example, uh, when the temple's being built, yeah. okay, um, they'll need. You can't be out there for two almost three weeks. And actually, by the way, uh, David Best built the temple this year, and it's not always true, and you won't always hear me say this, but that had to be the most. Remarkable piece on the playa this year. Did you get to see the temple? Okay. And the reason I say this is because the the first person that that uh, won the rights to do the temple, um, uh, they they bagged it after a while. They they got cold feet basically, and uh, they just backed out. And so David Best was able to pull that together in in about two months. And so you're out there for almost well three weeks. And you have to build that thing in three weeks. And I tell you what, if if you try living in a tent for three weeks out there, you'd get nothing done. So one of the things I do is provide all of the housing for the temple crew mm-hmm. so that they can be out there and working. And not all of them, because by the time the show showtime comes, there's a hell of a lot of them. But he used this year, and I also bring all the food in. I have a... I, I I I supply the food and stuff. I bring it in from the store in Empire. So, because I'm affiliated with the Empire store too, uh-huh. I got my fingers in every you pie. You're very entrepreneurial so, for an artist. Um, <laughs> yes, an artist. So, 
Yeah, so I mean, you have to you have to make sure that these people have some sort of comforts. They're out there and they're going to be working day and night to get this thing together, and they have to, mm-hmm. especially this time this year with, because we had short notice to do it. So you have to make sure that they've got some place to stay because if they don't, you won't get anything done. When it starts to rain and blow out there and you're in a tent, forget about it. Right. You know, the tents blow away, they get wet, they get soaked because the the plier holds the water. I don't know if you noticed that, but it holds the water and then you sink in the tent. So you've got to have, we learned a long time ago that you have to have trailers out there for that stuff. Mm -hmm. Just to keep them busy and keep going and, and have some sort of safety when the wind comes in because it can blow 70 miles an hour yeah yeah so so this is a this is an experience where you really are taking care of each other oh yeah absolutely and in, in order to make it uh in order to make something that intense function that well you have to really link arms at, at every level absolutely and, and after it's over you know the, the, the festival is only for one week but you're out there for three months. The cleanup is intense. And again, I supply trailers to the kids that are going to be cleaning up on the playa because they've got to go out there every day and start picking up everything. And, and believe it or not, people still leave a lot of stuff there. Sometimes whole camps get left there. Really? Cars, trailers. That's where I get my trailers. Is that right? <laughs> I, got a lot of, I started saying no after a while. People leave trailers, everything I'll do, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's not... As horrible as, say, like Coachella could be. I don't know if you've ever seen Coachella. I've not been to Coachella. I mean, when people leave that stadium at the end, or that, yeah, it's a polo field, when they leave that at the end of the day, it's you need, you need a bulldozer to clean the place up, literally. They've got these things that go out and vacuum the whole thing up, but there's just tons of garbage. We're in Burning Man. It's not like that. People are pretty respective of the desert. Why do you think that is? Are we pounded into them? Yeah. Yeah, and and not only that, but you get marked. There's the first three rings of the circle of Burning Man. Pretty much, you have to apply in advance to get those spots. Okay, and if you're going to leave stuff on on the playa, we know about it. We mark it as a hot spot. Mm-hmm. So if you try to get a space again next year, you won't get it. Right. right. But you know that that's so people are very conscious of that. Yes, they are. Okay, and they a lot most take their garbage with them. Unfortunately, after they leave, they they take the garbage off the playa. They the rest of it's pretty much Paiute. It's Indian reservation. Yeah, yeah, and you got to see how much garbage they dump all the way down the line. So yeah, of course. See, like I know you want to talk about how you carried the spirit home with you, which is a beautiful thing. Some people carry that spirit home with them, but they leave their garbage with the pie. That seems pretty wrong. Yeah, that's a little on the wrong side. And you can see it's strewn on the highway. And it's really funny how when you're going in, everybody's peace and love, and you probably went through the front gate, and the greeters told you to lay in the dirt and all this stuff, and they rang a bell, right? (laughs) They did all You did that, John. I know you did. Anyway, you should see on the way out what happens. You know, I I worked the gas station last few years, and I had people that ran it for me, but I had the gas station. And the arguments are, you didn't pay for anything, you didn't pay for any gas, but on the way in, everything's beautiful and lovely, and on the way out, they're why do you, Why do you think, what accounts for that shift? Yeah, it's called, uh, it's the end of a very long week of dust. Yeah. 
and, and partying and exhaustion and yeah. tired and and you're leaving and yeah you've picked up everything but they filled your car with garbage so the first chance you get you try to dump it out mm-hmm. and it, it's kind of a problem it's a little bit of a problem mm-hmm. but that's a, it's a festival you know not everybody's going to be perfect it, it, is it a festival it's a festival is that what you would you would oh, say? What is no, Burning no. Man? You'd say it's a festival. It's a festival. Is it a yeah. unique festival? It is a unique festival. It's probably the largest art festival in the world. Mm. I don't. I can't imagine anything being bigger than that. Yeah. You know, it's a yeah. lo- very extremely large art festival mm-hmm. and techno festival. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's a combo. Okay, so I want to talk briefly about these uh, pay-to-play camps. So explain what a pay-to-play camp is. Okay, pay-to-play. Say for example, I don't, I don't do this, but say say for example, I was to like um, I have clients like Snoop Dogg goes out there, and there's a whole bunch of people who go out there that are, you know just big entertainers and stuff like that, and um, and they want to go out there have the experience and leave. So you get the RVs and you circle them around and you put up a a bar and and you pay some artist to build you an art car and. And then you charge them thirty and forty thousand dollars a whack to just go out there for the week. Mm-hmm. You know we have an airport, mm-hmm. so you fly in. You've got your tickets already, so right. it's all inclusive. It's like uh, it's it's like sandals. <laughs> or, or so, uh, so what do you? Uh, it, was, it was a Caribbean one there. You know where you go and you pay one price and you get it yeah. all. So, and so that's what they do there. Well, so what do you think about that? No, that really sucks. Why? And. Uh, well, it's because they don't get the experience, and and, and it's like I, I was saying before. Actually, that's what the, a rise gave to that. It's once we stopped saying that you, you know, that we wanted no spectators. Once we gave up on the no spectator thing, it gives rise to that. Yeah. You know, it took a few years to come to that, but now we've got to try to alter that. We're we're, we're not going to let that continue like that. You think? Yeah, yeah. We're gonna. We're think gonna it's add. too debilitating to the atmosphere. It becomes so. It hasn't until the last few years, but the last few years it's really become uh, an annoyance and a little bit of an embarrassment. You know, we just don't want that kind of thing. You've got to participate. We're going to force them in, and we're not sure how. I've been talking to Larry about it. We're going to eventually um, apply some pressure mm-hmm. to them. If you're going to do this, then you've got to do this kind of thing. You yeah. know, you've got to give yeah. to the community. Some kind of civic, civic contribution. Civic yeah. contribution has got to yeah. be done. You can't just, uh, you know, come in, do your thing, trash, and leave. You know, you just yeah. can't do that. We, that wasn't how we started this on our principles. So that's why it's different from a regular festival. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, it seems to me like... like the, That we can the, force them to well, not do well, that. Well, I mean, yeah. that, the, that the spirit of Burning Man as a, as a, as a festival is one of participation. And yeah, as opposed to going to listen and dance, you're actually going to help build it, to create it. Mm-hmm. And if, you, if, if it really feels like the pay-to-play camps are antithetical to the, the, uh, the spirit of the experience you're supposed to be able to get... I, I will give them, most of those people more credit. They probably want to participate more, but they don't know how. Uh, so we're okay. going to show them the way. We're going to give them opportunities. We're going to, you know, point them in the right direction. We actually have, uh, I just, I know this, a, a woman who's now been hired just to do that. Just to sort of contact with them and begin to 
uh, get them to participate more. I think this is actually Rosie Leela, wonderful girl. This is exactly the kind of thing that that is what makes to me is is distinctive about uh, the bias mm-hmm. within within uh, Burning Man and and cultural artifacts and and cultural uh, precursors to Burning Man that are like that in that the inclusion is what actually holds the fabric together right if you're going to go and criticize somebody you're in effect excluding them but if you're going to go and invite them to participate in a new way and invite their their surprise and delight and maybe their complaints right because they don't really it's out of the box for them it's you know out of their comfort zone that's a participatory inclusive culture, mm-hmm. right? It's not one that scolds you for not participating. It right. one, so it's one that reaches out to you in your lack of participation mm-hmm. and says, hey, come along and have fun doing it this way yeah. with us. And yeah. I, you know, I don't know, I don't know, to me, not only was that the story that I heard, but it was the feeling that I felt when I was there. Mm-hmm. It was that, that really... To get involved is to get along. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and once you get involved, you will become a better citizen. And that applies here. It applies out in the playa. And although it's only for one week out there, I think there, there are more, there's more citizenship out there than there is when they go back to their own community. Of course, they... When they go back to their own community, they're going back to their entrapments, you know, their cat, their wife, their right. kids, their right. job. Right. But out there, um, doing the right thing comes a little bit easier, you know? So I, so you're, you gave us three, uh, admittedly, uh, glib rules when we started. Right? Yeah. Uh, and the third one was... Well, three. I don't think they're glib. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, all right, fair enough. It's a fact of life, man. <laughs> okay. Don't bring it home with you, John. <laughs> But but that's the one I want to talk about. Don't bring it home. Yeah. Uh, I did bring stuff home. I brought home... Uh, it could be cured with penicillin. Okay. <laughs> but that's not the kind of stuff I oh, brought Oh, home. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> I, I brought home... I brought home uh, uh, some philosophical lenses mm. that I'm trying to understand and, I, and I, that, I, that I want to, to share. Uh, and it's, it's also like I want... To encourage other people to go to Burning Man so that they can also bring this home, and and one of them for me is uh, is community and participation. But you said something really interesting, which is out there it's easier to do the right thing. Mm, that's true. How is that possible, and why? Because you're living in close proximity. I mean, even when you go home, I don't. Well, I don't have any idea what you live. Cities, right? We live in close proximity all the time. Not that close. No, you're in a camp. You're in a camp with a but. It's you, you. You don't have many fights at a KOA. <laughs> you know, people are on vacation. People on vacation are much nicer than than they are at their house. I don't know if you ever noticed that when you go on vacation, don't you feel good and you just want to, you know, be friendly with people and hey, have, you know, cocktails and, and oh, let's go see this, let's go see that. When when you're home, you're very complacent. You're you know, yes, you'd like to go out and and you know maybe you know work for some politician or do something, but but the end of the day comes and it's the end of your job and you're tired and you, your wife doesn't want to go out and 
your dog needs to be walked and you just have that take the, the idea of even doing something more for your community other than the fact that you went to work today get, eludes you you just don't want to do it because you're like oh, I just haven't got the energy whereas out there you get there and you're like okay I'm here you know you look at the art and, and like geez I want to get I want to do something you know you have that feeling you want to do something but once you get to spread your wings and fly you're not going to be sitting behind a desk you're going to be like Maybe you get a chance to build something with your with your group, or or you can volunteer even out there. There's times for you to volunteer. They, you could have volunteered even for the temple if you got if you had early if you have right. early pass, yeah. or or even when you're out there, there are people that are already building stuff that you can volunteer. I've had people walk up to me and ask me if I need help when we I do art projects out there too, and yeah, you know we're always looking for people to like, especially if we've been delayed through the raid and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. this always eager people out there and it's contagious out there there are you know sure there's the slackers that just stay around the camp but the slackers that stay around the camp yeah they're usually the ones that just want to cook yeah. and so they, just, they, they, they find their place out there whereas when you're in this community you've already found your place you found your place 30 years ago and you just want to go home at the end of the day you know and sometimes you don't even want to walk the dog out there it's totally different Especially when nighttime comes. During the day, it's a little hot, but at nighttime, you become alive. So it switches your whole system around. Whereas you're not, you're not the same person. But you know, that's what happens out there. Is that you do the, the thrill of it all? Uh, it, it's it's all encompassing. Why can't Why can't we make bring that thrill back? Why can't we live that way here? Because I live in the Bayview, and there. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, like like doing the right thing ought to be easy everywhere. Um. Even if, you know, even if doing the right thing, you know, in your daily life, I can believe that you do, okay? But when you're out there, you just want to do more. Because it's a community that you've never, you just uh, are so excited to be with that it's like so many creative people doing so many creative things, and it's just a world unbeknownst to yourself. You're just like, all of a sudden, you're like, with, like, this is everything I've ever dreamed of. This is really, really utopia. It's like I can walk up to a bar with a cup and they'll make me a drink. I, you know, I, I, I can talk to like all sorts of interesting people. I can go, uh, participate in all these crazy events that are going on out there. And there's just so much to do. And you're on vacation. That's what it's all about. And so you want to be, you want to put your best foot forward. So, but you, then, so, and you can keep that up for a week. Uh, or, some people can. Most. Would you consider yourself uh, an optimist or a cynic? <laughs> Come on. I'm a very cynic optimist. Yes, I, I, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'd have to say that. I'm I'm reflecting now. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, uh, you know, I'm I as a cynical I am a cynic. As a, as a cynical I, I'm optimist. an optimist. I'm an optimist. Okay. Yeah. As, a, as a cynical optimist, do you do you feel like Burning Man is gonna get better? You know, sure, a better, um, better. It's the best we have to offer. So will it get better? It, uh, it will never right. let you down. It'll, it'll never, never let you down. Okay, I like that. You, it will never, and, and, and it's it's always changing. You know, when people, there's a lot of people that have fallen by the wayside. I mean, 28 years, you're going to have that. Yeah. Um, and and the bottom line is. People say, oh, I don't like it used to be. Well, nothing's like it used no, to be. No, nothing's like it used to be. You know, right, right. we had Reagan. 
Uh, I mean, what do you mean? Not like it used to be. Um, but it's, change is inevitable. And you'll find that if you do not greet change with open arms, if you're not, if you're not ready for change, you, you're going to bang your head into a wall. And, and that's what happens. You have to be in harmony with the change. So if at some time there was something you enjoyed and you come back and it's not the same, you know, when it comes to Burning Man, it might not be the same as you saw. For me, a good example is this past year, although it was your first time, I thought that most of the art was marginal this year. We've had times when it's just, you're awestruck, even for myself, and I've been out there for that long. And you get awestruck. So, but was I let down by the Burning Man this year? Not at all. Actually, it was nicer this year because the cops were nice. Mm-hmm. So the change that that I needed to happen in my life with the, with the Department of Transportation, the Washoe County Sheriffs, the Persian County Sheriffs, and the, uh, the Bureau of Land Management, that we have to deal with a lot of different authorities out there. They changed. They were all like really nice which was really strange. And so even though the art, to me, was mediocre, the atmosphere was fantastic. <laughs> it's amazing. It was you... bizarre they were so nice. They, and one year they changed so radically that it, it was like, what? what? Yeah. <laughs> What's going on here? So even for me, there's always change. Uh, and, and so you, uh, you learn to greet it, you know? Yeah. I I, I, went, I this year I, I before I, I got there you know before it all started I I was uh, I had trepidation man I was saying oh, you know they're going to be really brutal this year and I heard they were going to put up scales and weigh because we haul a lot of stuff off the ranch we have a ranch outside that we keep a lot of things and there's some pretty janky loads okay yeah but you're on a country road you know things can happen. Uh, and I heard they were going to put up scales, so I warned everybody they're going to put up scales, so watch your loads, you know, when you're traveling. And they only did it one day, and they left, and that was great, the Department of Transportation. So, I mean, it was like the change this year was phenomenal for me. So it was more a cooperative attitude from it the was. authorities. It the was. Authorities. Yeah. That's, that's a pretty cool Now, if shift. we could just get the art bumped up again, we'll do all right. Hell yeah, yeah. But I, I, for you, I bet you thought the, it was... Fa- it was. I, yeah, I mean, the whole... It, my takeaway from, from, you know, my first night at Burning Man, uh-huh. I, I just, like, Burning Man makes Las Vegas look like Legoland. <laughs> I was like, just, yeah, it is, and it does sc- look like... Uh, the scale of mm-hmm. Burning Man is just, mm-hmm. you know, like, it's... Just staggering. Yeah. You know. Yeah, you'd have to. I suggest to anyone to at least go see it once, and you can find the most interesting people in interesting places out there. Just those little corners where people build things. I like to go around. I like to walk around. Actually, I walk around on the back alleys. Yeah. Where people put up small installations that are just so cool. Yeah, just so cool. Did you make it to a decompression near the other day? I did. I did. Oh, you did. Yeah, oh, I yeah. didn't get to see it. Yeah. But did you see like the? I like the the uh, the, the playa disco roller skating. Thing. Yes. That's a cool yeah, one. yeah. They've been there for years. And Thunderdome, out in the desert. Did you such see? Such a weird. That is a weird thing. Isn't that cool? It's crazy. And and that's another thing. Is people go. Yeah, that's so unlike Burning Man. Well, I have to tell you, Thunderdome was there before most of these kids were born. 
<laughs> We've been doing it for 28 years. So you 25-year-olds that don't think it's PC, we were there for a long time with Thunderdome. <laughs> and Thunderdome, for those who don't know, it is like a... An two man enters. Two, two man One man <laughs> leaves. <laughs> right. That, enough said. Enough said. Okay. So you don't think I see it. All right. So we're just about out of time. Okay. Any last thoughts you about your experience or about anything related to Burning Man you want to share? I think that everyone should try to experience it, but you should always remember that um, if you go, any knowledge is, that you're going to learn is on the road. It's not going to be there. You're not. If you're going there to find yourself, or, or I think a good example is people come up to me and say, you know, Flash, you've changed my life. You, Bernie Man has changed my life. And, and whenever anybody says that, I always say to them, well, then go get one now. Now go get one. Hmm. Go get a life now. Yeah. Now, you know, now you can see what the possibilities are and how crazy the world can be. Then go out there and try to change yourself. Because obviously if I gave you life or I, I changed your life, you were ready for that change, you know, and and because of that, you should follow your heart and your instincts. And I, I you said something funny to me. You said, well, you know, that the people that aren't artist types out there, anybody can be an artist. I love that. Yeah, make it, make just do it, just do. We we um we did. I, we got another couple minutes, right? Yeah. Um, we did a, a mosaic here in the city just recently uh, for the uh, Mission Street Co-op. And we were hired to do this three-story mosaic butterfly raising from a garden. And the first thing we did was we had the children doing it with us. And, and the school thought that was great. It was, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So we had the children doing the mosaic. And then the teachers got into it. Yeah. And some of them said, well, you know, I'm not much of an artist. I've never been an artist. No, everybody is born and raised thinking they're going to be an artist. You know, that's yeah. the first thing. Because everybody gets that box of crayons. Right. And they're like, I, you know, and everybody has that dream. Of course, it gets buried, right? Yeah. Early on, a lot of times, it gets yeah. really buried. Yeah. Because somebody says, oh, that's... It's horrible. What is that? You can't make a living out of that. Well, you know, unfortunately, that's what they said to Hitler because he was. He went to art school, yeah. and as soon as they they kicked him out, so see, it's better that you're an artist, John. <laughs> <laughs> and so, what happens when we were doing the butterfly? That uh, not only did the teachers get in on it, okay, and then even when the kids weren't doing it, the kid, the teachers, any chance they got, they were in there doing mosaic. And then the parents of the children came because they're children in the school. And the next thing you know, grandmothers were flying in from Indiana and staying extra long because they were into the mosaic. And it was really funny. It's a, it's something that's uh, once you show somebody something that they can do in in the form of art, it's contagious. They're addicted to it. It's like, oh my God, I I can do this. We're starved for this. Right? You're starving life. for this. And I think that's the opportunity that we allow people to have out there is to just get involved. We, we ask people to do that. We have a big, uh, one whole thing out there where you can go in and volunteer, and there's always people looking for volunteers to build something really crazy that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right. awesome. But it's the attempt. It's the attempt. Right. And, and, and that's, I think that's a really good thing. You know? Excellent. Yeah. Okay. And so... Uh, this has been a fabulous conversation. If folks want to know more about you or the work that you're doing, where, how, where might we direct them? Well, then, the De Young Museum. And the reason I'm pumping this is because 
we lost a lot of really good people that helped us start Burning Man, and we've lost them in the last couple of years. Les Blank, like I mentioned before, Lord Huckleberry from Dustfish, uh, Pepe Ozone has been with us. In fact, if it wasn't for Pepe, we wouldn't have even gone out to the desert. And he passed away this past year. And he built major things. And he did operas out there. It was amazing. And so, uh, come on out to the De Young Museum this weekend. Uh, it starts on Friday and goes through the weekend. And you will meet a lot of creative artists all out of the Burning Man. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. All right, Flash, thanks so much. For oh, thank you, John, for the, for the opportunity. It's been a pleasure. All right. and, yeah. And we'll be right back. Yes, we've added to our lineup of lively, thought-provoking shows. But don't forget our original Sunday morning lineup at 10.30 a.m. Join us for Healing Conversations with Mildred Lynn McDonald every first Sunday. Revolution with Heisey Ludmers every second Sunday. Convergence with John Carousella every third Sunday. And our popular on-air call-in show the fourth Sunday of every month. We're excited. Give us a listen as we continue to create new and entertaining ways for you to shine your inner light. Join us at Firefly Willows L-I-V-E. Well, that's our show. I hope you enjoyed it. I had an amazing time at Burning Man, and I'll be revisiting it, both in reflections throughout the year and next year when it rolls around. Burning Man reminded me of a simple, powerful message. Be yourself. Your glorious, unique, authentic, exuberant self. Because that's what you're here for. We need you, and you'll be the best possible version of yourself that way. And, as somebody once said, everybody else is taken. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Thank you for joining us. This program was brought to you by Firefly Willows L-I-V-E. We hope you enjoyed the show. This is Deb Carousella. Please join us next time on Firefly Willows L-I-V-E for our live on-air call-in show, Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m.